0: The views, ideas, and content of WellSeekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on WellSeekers.
1: Hello and welcome to WellSeekers with Lucia, Season 2, Episode 2. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This is a show where we bring wellness home. It's really a guide to a life well lived in simple and real ways. We work from the mind down, but you can't ignore all the other aspects of wellness that play into mental and emotional health, which is mind, body, spirit, social wellness, occupational wellness. So we'll touch upon it all, even though we focus on our minds and our emotions and our feelings and all of that stuff. Today's episode, I'm particularly excited about because we are talking about the prevalence of eating disorders how they tend to happen, how we can prevent them, and also giving some simple solutions for people who do struggle with eating disorders. We're talking about simple and easy ways because that's what WellSeekers is all about, bringing wellness home to people that generally are overstressed, undernourished, don't have the time and the resources to spend on nurturing their mind, body, spirits, and lives. We wanna be a resource for you and a place where you can learn about all the latest and the greatest from the experts of what's going on in wellness and how you can make yourself well well. And that's not just about things you put in your body or exercises you do. It's really about sharing stories and connection with people and helping us all gain a perspective of what living life well really means. And eating disorders is a great topic of conversation for that because where eating disorders come from and things surrounding it is something that needs to be talked about. They really are a complex illness. There's a lot of different components that go on to creating eating disorder, and we'll talk about all those. And one of the things that has always been staggering to me, just full full disclosure personally, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, from anorexia and bulimia, which I do talk about somewhat. And that's my personal story, not just my professional experience. But there is a reported... 10 to 15 million Americans who suffer from anorexia bulimia and 61% of Americans who are overweight or obese and binge eat on a regular basis. Now that is 76% of Americans. So three out of four have an issue with food factor in margin of error, and people that don't report, you're looking at 85 to 90% of us having some sort of food issue, whether it's anorexia, bulimia, or overeating. 90%, that means almost all of us have some sort of non-normal or non-normative relationship with food. So this is really a show about trying to prevent that from happening to the next generation or maybe if you're listening and you don't have an eating disorder trying to help prevent that from happening for your kids or for yourself and then also if you do struggle we will talk about some simple and easy ways not that it's a simple and easy disease to get over but there are some things that you can do to help. Research shows that eating disorders they come from a variety of things. Yes, genetics is one of them and there is a genetic component, also temperament and how we react to certain things. Some people will say, you know, if you're a perfectionist or you have sensitivity to reward and punishment or harm avoidance or different things like that, that does make you more prone to eating disorders. Also, biology, of course. And then things that happen to you if you've experienced trauma in your life, physical or sexual abuse, that can make you more prone to an eating disorder. Poor coping skills, that can make you more prone to an eating disorder. So obviously, we can't change your biology. We can't change your genetics. We can't change what happened to you even. But what we can really focus in on are two key things that contribute to eating disorders. One is the coping skills. And we're going to have a guest on, licensed clinical social worker, Jillian Dominic's going to come on and talk about some coping skills that we can all put into our lives to help with prevention, but the other is just the social cultural ideas of what it means to be beautiful, to have the perfect body, that so often we see those images of size zero women, size two women, and what we equate those sizes to is happiness, because at the end of the day, What do we all want to be? We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to be strong. We want to be well. And the reality is, is that we see that as being thin, but that is not true. There's so many people out there with bodies that wouldn't necessarily be considered quote unquote thin, but that are happy, healthy, and strong. And changing our conversation around that is just so vital and so important. So Jillian Dominic's going to come on and talk to me about that as well. And I think the other thing that we're going to talk about, we'll have Jill come on and probably touch upon as well, is that anorexia and eating disorders in general have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness, any mental illness. That means that of Everything out there, people with eating disorders die the most per year because of their eating disorders, which is something that we don't hear about. We hear a lot about substance use disorder and other afflictions within the mental health. I'm getting attention and getting exposure, but really eating disorders are the number one cause of death within mental illnesses, more than suicide, more than anything. So this is a topic that clearly needs to be talked about, and I am going to have a guest on who has even more experience from a clinical perspective than me, so excited to learn about about tools we can use for prevention, and if you're struggling, some simple and easy ways that we can help you as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on Well Seekers with our guest, Jillian Dominic.
0: You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. You want to be part of the seekerhood? It's easy. Email us anytime at hello at well
1: and we're back on Wellseekers, and I'm here with my guest and one of our Well Seekers contributors, Jillian Dominic, licensed independent clinical social worker. Jill, thanks so much for joining us today on Wellseekers. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jill, we were talking a little bit before you came on about some of the causes of eating disorders, the prevalence of them and how prevalent they are. And then I was just sharing a little bit about my own experience with having an eating disorder and how there are certain things that you can do from a clinical, obviously from a cultural perspective, but from a clinical perspective as well to help prevent eating disorders. And then to people who are out there and maybe struggling with eating disorders, I will chat about this more, but I really feel like some of those clinical tools also can help people who are struggling. So I would love to hear you talk a little bit about eating disorders and your experience from a clinical perspective, and then maybe we can dive into some of those tools. Sure, absolutely. So how would you, um, I know you were talking about definitions of an eating disorder. How would you define an eating disorder?
2: Eating disorders generally are serious conditions, very serious conditions, um, related to persistent eating behaviors that negatively impact your health, your emotions, and your ability to function in different areas of life. So an eating disorder doesn't just affect your body, it also affects you emotionally
1: and socially. Can I give an example of that that's so true? Sure. Sure. I've always said my ex, he would eat, he could consume two, 3,000 calories at a, at a meal and he would feel amazing afterwards. And it's more not that how much you consume, the psychological distress and the emotions around the consumption. Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely, right. absolutely.
2: So most eating disorders, um, like you, you just illustrated, involve focusing either too much on your weight your body shape, and also food, which leads to different dangerous eating behaviors, which can look very different in different people. But these behaviors have in common that they significantly impact your body's ability to get appropriate nutrition.
1: Yeah. And I think that that is the most, that is one of the trickiest things about eating disorders is that even though the emotional and psychological side effects are the same, the habits of eating can be different. Absolutely right? There's some common things about it, but, you know, someone that eats normally or maybe eats a little bit too much can still have an eating disorder if they have those psychological, emotional distresses around them.
2: Right. And I mean, if you look at the most common eating disorders, they would be classified as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. So those are three very common, very prevalent, dangerous eating disorders, but all three look very different. Some involve restricting, some involve overeating and purging, some just involve overeating without the purging. So they can look very different. Um, But overall, these disorders affect 30 million people in the U.S. And every 62 minutes, somebody dies from an eating disorder. So they're classified as the most um, fatal mental illness.
1: And we were talking about that. Anorexia is the leading mental illness that results in death. And yet- we see so little of it. And why is that? Why is it talked about so little? I know, you know, there's substance use disorder is huge right now and we're talking about that, but it still is not at the numbers and proportions that anorexia kills um, women specifically in this country. Um, So... I just find that so interesting. And we talked a little bit about the stats too, that it, it could be over 30 million people when you factor in you know, 61% of people are obese and have some overconsumption issues. And then there's 15 million more with anorexia and bulimia. I mean, we're looking at 85% of our country plus with some sort of maladaptive eating. Right. It's amazing.
2: Right. And you, you mentioned, or you, you brought up on, you know why? Why don't we hear more about that? And I think the problem is because it's so enmeshed with all of these messages that we receive culturally through the media. It's just normal at this point to have a negative body image, to have poor self-esteem, to have professions and careers that promote being thin. Um, there's cultural pressure. There's peer pressure from family, from friends. So it is so highly normalized to be critical of our body and then as a result to take actions to do what we think might be improving our
1: body. I also have to say you cannot ignore the fact that this is a female-centric disease and quite often in the history of the way that we approach healthcare and treatment in our country – diseases and afflictions that happen to women get less attention and less treatment. It's almost like, oh, you're obsessed with your body? Okay, well, that's normal because you're a woman. That should not be the normal. That should not be the standard. Right, absolutely. And we've almost accepted it as such and then taking it a step further when it is something that needs treatment, it's a fight to get treatment. Yeah, absolutely. i have actually gone to D.C. and sat with congresspeople to lobby for specifically bills around eating disorder treatment, and getting someone to sit with you and take that seriously is really difficult. And yet it's the number one leading cause of death for mental illnesses. Right. Like if you let that sink in for a second, it's completely outrageous that that's what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So Jill, I know that you um, being such an experienced mental health professional and someone who I look up to too in that world... What are some things we can do to help prevent eating disorders from a clinical perspective?
2: So much of it centers around peer pressure, family pressure, cultural pressure. And while some people may develop an eating disorder in adulthood or later in life, typically the early symptoms show themselves in adolescence or even pre-adolescence. So, in a practical sense, you know, if you're the parent of a child or you are around children, professionals would advise to avoid dieting around your child. Talk to your child about a healthy body image. Think about ways to cultivate that. Don't focus on weight, focus on having a healthy body, having a strong body. If you feel like your child is getting into trouble, enlist the help of your primary care doctor and other resources that you may have, because so much of this stems from, you know, like you said, it, it mainly affects women. It does affect some boys and men as well. But, you know, when you're looking at young girls, that's usually when this starts. And so that's if we can target those symptoms earlier on there'll be a better chance at a better prognosis later on in life.
1: Absolutely. And those are really, we're all about simple things here and ways that you can interject that into your life easily. And that is a simple thing to just model good behavior for your younger generation, whether those are your own children or maybe you work around children or I mean, everyone has someone in their life that they're modeling for. So modeling good, positive self-esteem and eating behaviors, it sounds like as well.
2: Yeah, and even as women, you know, when we think about socially, we're so inclined when we see a friend to comment on their appearance, and it may be completely well-meaning or well-intentioned, but to just think about elevating the conversation rather than compliment them on you look like you've lost weight or, you know, your makeup looks great. What else can we build each other up around, you know, just on a daily basis? You know, how about commenting on how impressed you are with, you know, something that they're doing within their career or within their family or how well they're balancing different things in their life? What, taking the focus off appearance, even if it is in a complimentary way, just helps elevate the conversation to something different, something beyond how somebody looks or what somebody's weight is like.
1: Absolutely. And I I mean, I feel like I've fallen, even though I'm sensitive to that, there's times I've fallen into that trap or commenting someone, I think I've even done it to you, right? Commenting on people's appearances.
2: I think it's so natural in our culture. Absolutely. Right. It's so natural. But I think looking at these statistics and looking about how much eating disorders are hurting people in our culture It's just getting to the point where we need to reevaluate how we relate, what messages we're sending, what pressure we may be putting on other people or ourselves, even if it's inadvertent, um, and thinking about other ways to do things.
1: So model good behavior and also elevate the conversation. Right, exactly. That's so great. Anything else, Jill, that comes to mind for prevention from that perspective?
2: Again, if you're looking at younger girls and women just promoting healthy eating, as opposed to, again, just taking the focus off of losing weight, maintaining a weight, but look at being healthy, look at being strong, integrate physical fitness. Again, not so that you can be thin, but so that you can be healthy and strong. I mean, I just keep going back to healthy and strong because that's the message that girls need to hear right now. That's the message that women need to hear right now. I think about... Is it Serena Williams, the tennis player? Oh, yes.
1: I love her. I love her. I think
2: about someone like Serena Williams. She just has such a strong, beautiful body that is different than kind of this typical idea of what beautiful is. Um, And I love that. So, you know, putting women like her at the forefront for the younger girls in our community and saying this is what, you know, a healthy, strong body can look like. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a size two.
1: I think there was so much good stuff in what you just said. Number one, what is healthy eating and learning that and passing that on? I think that's something that we'll dive into too in another show. But what does a healthy diet look like? How does that make you healthy and strong as opposed to just thin? and changing that ideology that there's only one standard of beautiful, and that that standard's going to make you happy, right? Because that's what we're all looking for, is to be happy yep, and, absolutely. and to have a life that's full of joy. And that does not mean thin. And just completely changing that narrative in our culture, that thin does not mean happy. Absolutely. Being anorexic and not eating does not mean your life's going to be better. Absolutely. Being healthy and being strong, that's what that's what leads to a healthy life and a happy life. And ultimately that's what all of us are after is that happy, healthy life. Definitely. So something you said, Jill, so it seems like surrounding yourself with positive role models, eating well, modeling well, trying to elevate the conversation. What about, and this is something that all of those things are great for preventing eating disorders, but also if you have an eating disorder, those are great reminders if you're in the middle or struggling with an eating disorder. What about positive self-talk? Because I found that huge in recovery. And I think that that could be huge for preventing eating disorders as well, from both a clinical perspective and from my own personal experience.
2: Absolutely. I mean, all day long, we're giving ourselves messages in our mind, um, whether we're conscious of it or not. When we're driving, when we're in the shower, when we're at work, there's always an inner dialogue in our head. And I was in a yoga class once and they were playing music and then there was a voiceover on the music and this never left me. And the, the essence of it, I don't remember exactly what the person said, but the essence of it was, imagine if the voice inside your head was encouraging, was positive, was uplifting, as opposed to critical, um, negative, condemning. And that's something, that's something that's completely within our own power.
1: Absolutely.
2: So the thought is, we have so much power in and of ourselves to control the messages that we let in and to control how we speak to ourselves because most of the messages that we hear are from ourselves throughout any average day. So if we could change the internal monologue to a voice of compassion and understanding and encouragement and positivity we could change you know those thoughts um, which I'll talk about cognitive behavioral therapy in a little bit but
1: those thoughts can lead to
2: our actions changing it can
1: be as simple as that absolutely and that's really the basis of well seekers is working from the mind down and changing the narrative that we're telling ourselves and changing the narrative that we're talking about as just as a culture and this is one of probably the biggest narratives is is positive self-esteem and encouraging yourself. So absolutely agree. I know for myself looking in the mirror at night or any tips like that, that we can, someone can walk away with.
2: Absolutely. I mean, even when, even when you're, you're getting out the door in the morning to go to work and the morning's been very hectic, say, you know, you're, you're getting your kids organized, you're getting yourself ready and you get in the car and, Maybe you're like, oh, my God, I'm such a mess. All these other moms that drop off just have it together. I'm going to be to work five minutes late, and I don't think I packed my kids' boots and all those negative things. Think about changing the dialogue to, you know, I am superwoman. Like, I have got this. Like, I am getting my child ready. I'm getting myself ready. I have a career that I'm going to. I'm going to do a great job when I get there. I always give it my best. I'm trying my hardest. Just switching the message from the self-criticism to building yourself up, and it can just shift your whole morning. It can shift your whole day, and eventually it can shift your whole life if you can just get in the habit of, I always go back to, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm giving it my all. I may be pulled in a million different directions today, but I'm going to do my best in every direction. I may not be perfect, but I am more than enough for the people that need me. All those kinds of things.
0: Totally.
1: And that is so simple and so easy. Just pick one mantra and say it to yourself every day. And just whenever that voice of self-doubt works its way in, just combat it with that, with that voice of encouragement for yourself.
2: Absolutely. And there's all kinds of resources online for just different positive mantras and different things that you can say to yourself throughout the day to just shift that inner dialogue to be more positive.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's why we're talking about it today on WellSeekers is to try and take that shame around the conversation away from it and to say, you know, I've personally have struggled with an eating disorder. I know so many other women who have. Honestly, I can think of more women who have than haven't in my life. And just being open about the role that an eating disorder has played in in people's lives and the role that food plays and positive self-esteem and all of those things. And just, you know, having that conversation is so important. Jill, thanks so much for being here with us and for all your great experience and wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back on WellSeekers.
0: Look, we're already friends, right? So let's make it official. Just find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at WellSeekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show.
1: And we're back on Well Seekers. Thanks so much to Jillian Dominic for coming on and talking to us. About some of those tools we can use, I think one of the things that really stood out to me is the positive affirmations that we can tell ourselves and talk to ourselves about and the ways that we can tweak the messages that we input as well as output. So what you're taking in from the media is something to focus in on and really pay attention to. And then what you hear your own head telling yourself. So if you catch yourself beating yourself up to take the thought and to reframe it and turn it around. So Jill, thank you so much. Just a few other things to leave you with. Anyone who may be struggling and, you know, you're past the point of prevention and you're in it, you know, we t- just talked about boosting your self-esteem. Go online, talk to someone, talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, share that you are struggling so you can be pointed in the the most appropriate place to go for help, whether that's a therapist or inpatient depending on where you are in your journey. Another thing is make a list of positive affirmations every night. I did that when I was recovering from my eating disorder and it helped and it still helps me. Um, you could even pick one and look at yourself in the mirror at night or say it in the morning before you go to bed. Try this for 21 days. 21 days. I'll even do it with you. If you want me to do it with you, you can email me at hello at wellseekers.com and I will personally do it with you. And then find other things that you do enjoy. Get a massage. Massage yourself. If you can't afford to get a massage, go for a walk, paint, look at our tools. We do have some, one of the things that I love about our page where we offer some tools that are out there that can help with de-stressing is that I've used these in preventing my eating disorders. They truly work. So hop on over and look at some of the tools that we have. But most importantly, just reach out for support if you are struggling. Um, I say this in all, all of my shows. If you are in immediate risk or anything like that, make sure you call 911 or go to your local emergency room. But if you're just struggling in general, tell a friend, reach out to a therapist, make some calls. Because I know what it feels like to be in the grips of an eating disorder. And I also know what it's like to be on the other side. And I can tell you With 100% assurance, the other side is so much better. So if you are struggling, we do hope you get help. Um, You can also call the National Eating Disorder Hotline at 1-800-931-2237, 1-800-931-2237. That's the National Eating Disorder Support and Helpline. So they can help guide you as well. From all of us here at Wellseekers, we hope that this has been helpful to guiding you to a life well-lived with some simple and easy ways to bring wellness home for you. If you guys have any questions, email us at hello at wellseekers.com. You can tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. We're everywhere at Wellseekers. Or you can find me personally, Instagram at Lucia Naz, L-U-C-I-A-N-A-Z-Z, Facebook backslash Lucia's page. You can reach me there, but always at Wellseekers. Until next time, we hope you're well we hope you stay well. And if you're not well, we hope we can be here to help you get well. So we'll talk to you soon on Wellseekers.
0: Want to talk? Lucia is a great listener. Join the conversation now at wellseekers.com. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.